wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere, in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside. And our wine cellar wants a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounters Radio property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas. me some ice skin me a peach save the fuzz for my pillow yes it is time for your weekly grape encounter and we're going to start things off today by talking about the one thing that wine pairs with better than anything else any guesses cheese pasta a perfectly marbled ribeye or perhaps something more abstract like a special occasion or celebration well the truth is you can pair wine with almost everything from fast food to Frank Sinatra. But there's one thing that wine is paired with every day that is often life-changing, and that is romance. So for those who love to be swept away by a romantic novel, you'll be delighted to know that Harlequin, one of the world's leading publishers of books for women, has just launched their own wine brand. It's called Vintages by Harlequin. And when this very romantic division of HarperCollins publishers made the decision to create the perfect wines for their readers, they turned to a consultant who knows an awful lot about women and wine. So grab your box of tissues as we welcome Deborah Brenner, founder and president of the Women of the Vine Alliance and author of the book Women of the Vine. I absolutely loved having her on previously and so glad to have you back, Deborah. Oh, thank you, David. I'm happy to be back. This is exciting with this new launch. You know, what drives me crazy about you is every time I get a press release that has to do with you, you're into something new. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you sleep. No, not too much. Thank you for that. It's been quite an interesting journey. And, you know, I do some other things on the side as I've been building the Women of the Vine Alliance. So it's exciting to work with some other projects as well. But of course, it seems like I definitely gravitate towards anything that is focused on women and the wine consumer or the wine trade. Well, I've been dying to talk about this. You've had a lid on this until right now, but you've been acting as a consultant and go-between for Harlequin, who, of course, is world-renowned for romance novels, and they now have a line of wine out, and wine made by some pretty respectable winemakers, and even if the wine was terrible, I would still buy the wine, just because I love the bottle so much, but the wines are really mastercrafted. Tell us a little bit about them, who's making them, and their relationship with Harlequin. Absolutely. Harlequin has always been, I think, synonymous with romance. And their quality, you know, people have a very high expectation and an extreme loyalty to Harlequin. Yeah. You know, they've been around for over 65 years. So when it came to Harlequin wanting to do the perfect pairing and 
go into the wine business, it was very important to pair Harlequin as, you know, one of the world's leading publishers for books for women with a top winery and winemaker out there. So, why, why would Harlequin want to be in the wine business? Well, you know, the way that Harlequin sees it, it's a wonderful opportunity for them to further connect with their readers and with their incredible loyal fan base. You know, Harlequin is not just a book. It's simply Symbolizes a lifestyle. And so wine is also a huge part of the women's lifestyle that are loyal fans of Harlequin or, you know, not even just Harlequin, but just romance as a genre of its own is huge. So it's been something that for Harlequin, they felt this is really something that Harlequin has done. They build communities around people and their lifestyle. And as we're seeing trends for many, many years now, which is fantastic in the American market, is wine is really a part of everybody's, you know, everyday lifestyle. We're finally catching up with the Europeans. And, and, the, funny yeah. part, and the funny part is, is that the French are drinking less and less wine all the time. We've become the French. <laughs> it's, it's very funny, you you know, I read that all the time, it's and true. I think, you know, yeah, we've really uh, changed, and uh, even, you know, young people and seeing them get into wine. So, you know, Harlequin has been a staple for women to really indulge in and take time out for themselves, and yeah. that's a big part of this lifestyle that Harlequin represents, and so we think it really is a natural extension for people to want to enjoy it with wine. But as you said, David, the wine has to be good because this isn't something that, you know, you're just going to bring to the table once. This is something that we feel people are going to really switch to this brand because the wines are excellent. They're produced by quality woman winemaker. It happens to be Nancy Walker from Vintage Wine Estates. Yeah. And Vintage Wine Estates is, you know, a small family group of vintners, and they have been producing incredible wines for a long time in the north coast of California. They have a collection of fine wineries and wine brands. Many of their wines are award-winning, sold in restaurants and retailers worldwide. So They've gone nuts with that Middle Sister brand, right? Oh, yes. Middle Sister has been a huge, huge wine for them. And, uh, you know, the creator and the founder of Middle Sister is Terry Wheatley. So, you know, I thought it was fantastic to work with Terry and her expertise of what she brought to this. Because if anybody knows, you know, the women wine consumer and the wine sisterhood, and middle sister, when we're talking about, you know, Harlequin talking to that audience, Terry has a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience with that. We're talking to Deborah Brenner. She recently launched the Women of the Vine Alliance. There are so many women that are working in wine, not just as winemakers, right, Deborah? We're talking about women in all roles of winemaking, correct? Absolutely. And that's the thing that makes this so unique is that it's the first trade organization and not just wine, but women overall in the alcohol beverage industry, and it's in every different sector of the industry, giving them a forum uh, for themselves, which has never been done before. And I do want to say this to the guys in the audience. If you're one of those guys that thinks that women can't make great wine, you might want to get that out of your head because (laughs) women are amazing winemakers. I don't know if it's that women tend to have better palates than men, but the women who are putting out wine right now are putting out some amazing wine. 
They really are. You know, I had the pleasure of working with my book with Dr. Ann Noble, who is the founder of the Wine Aroma Wheel, and she says that scientifically it has been proven that women do have more taste buds. Right. As stereotypically, they have more taste buds than men, and so therefore, I think some of the outstanding winemakers out there, I'm just in awe of them, men or women, because their palates are so highly sensitive. And I also think that women's approach to nurturing the land, it's a very natural approach for them. And I hear constantly when I ask what the common theme of women in wine has been, and a lot of it feel that it is the way that they nurture the wine to produce its best instead of trying to force it to do something it's not made to do. And then they have really incredible palates. Yeah, no doubt about it. What percentage of winemakers right now are female versus male? Do you know? Do you have any idea? You know, it's so hard to get a statistic overall nationwide and certainly globally on that. But the most recent statistic has just been in California, where just about 10% of the winemakers in California are women. Yet we're still seeing over 50% of women are enrolling in uh, enology. But the problem is, and this is why we're thrilled to have the Women of the Vine Alliance devoted to advancing their careers. As you were, you know, telling me, David, you know, With Harvest right now, it is an extremely demanding job to be the winemaker. And I think that, you know, we need to help advocate career paths for women that's not just winemaking, but all aspects. And then how to balance work and life when life starts getting in the way. And, you know, Mother Nature is not going to stop for them. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know that everybody realizes just how taxing winemaking is. It sounds very romantic, but people who make wine, especially those who are boutique winemakers and making wine from start to finish, they're working 16-hour days. And right now, some of them are working 24 hours a day, you know, during harvest. So I want to talk more about this. I got to talk about the labels on these (laughs) bottles because they are flipping fantastic. But we'll have to take a quick break here. Talking to Deborah Brenner, she has launched Women of the Vine Alliance. They had their first conference this year, so much that came out of that. And also, she's the author of Women of the Vine inside the world of women who make taste and enjoy wine. That's a long title, by the way. Yes. I kind of just say uh, women of the vine. There we go. Anyway, Deborah has been consulting with Harlequin to come out with the Vintages by Harlequin line of wine. And we're going to tell you more about the individual wines when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there and bottles of two horse. 
of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. You might think I'm creepy, then suddenly get weepy. Girl, you ought to know the reason why. I'm a romance novel guy. I'm a romance novel guy. Okay, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I simply have to say this. If somebody put a bottle on the table with a very sexy vintage woman and a label that says, pardon my body, I'm going to try the wine. (laughs) Just the way it goes. Hey, on the line with me is someone who is an absolute expert when it comes to women and wine, not just women who make wine, but also women who drink wine. It's Deborah Brenner, who is the founder and president of the Women of the Vine Alliance, which is a membership-based organization whose mission is to empower and equip women worldwide to advance their careers in the alcoholic beverage industry. But Deborah was a consultant or is a consultant for Harlequin, the folks who put out the romance novels. And I guess they have decided, Deborah, to get into the wine business as well. And they have really branded these wines with the Harlequin imprint. Exactly. I mean, this is such classic vintage Harlequin branding. Is the art on these wine bottles actual artwork from their books? Yes. It is. The artwork is actually from vintage book covers that were out there. We love the tagline for our banner, which is, Every bottle is crafted for a happy ending. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Do you mean that the old happy ending way or the new happy ending way? Um, it depends on how old you are, but <laughs> the new one, I'd say. Everybody, okay. you know, the beauty, the beauty of Harlequin books and why Harlequin has such a huge fan base worldwide is that it gives women an opportunity to take time out for themselves and to enjoy some time to relax. And they also know that the reason why people like to read these romance books is it's going to have a happy ending. I mean, we grew up reading fairy tales as little girls where, you know, happily ever after. So that's the beauty of all of this. Okay, so there's Pardon My Body, and what kind of wine is that? Well, part of my body is our Cabernet. And as I said, we are thrilled to be partnered with Vintage Wine Estates and the winemaker, Nancy Walker, who has won many awards. She has lots of accolades. Nancy is a master blender and yeah. she's 
won many gold. So part of my body is the Cabernet. And, and the other thing, David, is the back label is just as much fun as the front No, Falling I mean, in love is easy. I do it every time I open a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. And the Cabernet is a California Cabernet. They're all California wines. Nancy really crafts them to be very food friendly, to be very approachable. The Cabernet has great dark ruby red and the aromas of ripe plum and cherry and hints of cola and vanilla. So it's a very well balanced and smooth Cabernet, you know, something you can enjoy on your own or with some food. Now, if I drink that wine, will my estrogen level go up? It's, it's it's suited, it's suited for me, too. too. Okay, all right. Okay, just want to make sure there's nothing going on there. I can tell you the men are going to love this as much as the women. Like I said, it is fun. You know, vintage and retro has made such a big comeback in other areas. We're seeing it with the Mini Cooper, with the Fiat, with yeah. different appliances. I mean, even young people today are buying iPad dock stations that look like vintage radios and stuff. And yeah, exactly. This is a lot of fun. And I think that's part of it is... This is supposed to be about having some well-deserved time for yourself and part of your lifestyle and, you know, no snobbery or anything about it. So the wines not only taste good, they're priced well. Right now, they're available on AmazonWine.com. So we're very excited. We're talking to Deborah Brenner, who is president and founder of the Women of the Vine Alliance, and who was tasked by Harlequin to marry romance novels with some great wines that reflect the look and feel of the Harlequin brand. And they've done an amazing job with this. I'm really glad to hear, Deborah, that you're selling wines that are made by women because because if there's one thing that really irritates me in the wine business, it's the wines that have been geared toward women. And it's really arbitrary, if you ask me. You know, they put a label on that is supposed to appeal to women. And it could just as easily say Harley Guy and appeal to men. But this is the kind of stuff that's being done on Madison Avenue and not being done out in the vineyards, where if you really want to craft a wine that is special for women, then it has to be done by women, or at least people who understand what women really want. You bring up an interesting point because, you know, it's been over 10 years that I've really been specializing in women in wine from a trade perspective and a consumer perspective. You know, we saw a lot of the gimmicks of wines being produced to appeal to women. And like you said, with vintages by Harlequin or anything we've done, you know, we don't believe that wine is gender-based. I mean, wine is agriculture. Right. Wine is coming from the earth, and it's nurtured by men and women and an entire team it takes to produce one bottle of wine. So we absolutely don't like to be feeling that, hey, we're making a wine that is profile because frankly, as you know, women are the largest wine consumer and buyer of wine and their palates are extremely sophisticated and diverse and um, they're really the driving force behind it. So, you know, they're not looking for something low alcohol or light and fruity. I mean, those days are long gone. These women are, are serious about yeah. what they want. They know what they want. And I think that also goes a lot to Harlequin because their heroines are strong, powerful women. 
women, reflecting what goes on every day in our society. So that's why we're really excited to work with wonderful family vintners and Nancy as the winemaker. Yeah, awesome. So there is, of course, pardon my body, we talked about, just got a second here. Then you have substitute for love. (laughs) What kind of substitution are you making for love here? Well, you know, as they say, if uh, everybody falls in love with the perfect blonde, and that's what uh, substitute for love and the back label is just as fun and handcrafted as the artwork. So it's just a lot of fun for women. It's a beautiful Chardonnay. It shies away from the oaky, buttery style, so it's very citrus laced in green apple and fresh pear. And And then there's a third one. It's Wild at Heart, which was actually named after me. And that was good because I'm wild at heart. And that's a red blend. And of course, there's a redhead in a red skirt on the bottle. And it's Wild at Heart, so it has to be the red blend. It's a California red blend. It's fruity. It's delicious. It's, you know, strawberry jam, but it's fun. It's got some spiciness to it. And it's really the fusion of, you know, uh, great grapes of you know, Merlot and different red wine varietals and, and Syrah. So that's a really fun wine. And, and I uh, love it that the, the redhead is out front and she's very sexy. And then in the <laughs> background, you see the images of at least one man looking on and he's hypnotized by her. And if you go to Amazon dot com and you look at our amazon.com vintages by harlequin wine page and you see about the story and the banner there's some really fun other vintage artwork you also could go to harlequin facebook page i wish we weren't on opposite sides of the country because we would do a whole show together and we'd polish off all three bottles before we finish (laughs) you got it (laughs) all right deborah thanks a lot i really appreciate it if you're interested in vintages by harlequin you can google it or you can just go on to amazon and put in Vintages by Harlequin and it will come up. It's brand spanking new. It wasn't there last week. It's there now and we'll be back with more Grape Encounters. Thanks, Deborah. Well, thank you, David. It's nice to be back on the show. You're having a Grape Encounter with David Wilson. What a way to spend the day. Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. 
Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider. This is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio. I got a whining woman, drink wine all the time. Grape Encounters Radio, and sitting with me in the studio is the one and only Sarah Schneider, the Wine Mind Trust for Sunset Magazine, one of the two most successful lifestyle magazines in all of America. And Sarah, you showed up with a bottle of wine. I showed up with four, and you showed up with one. That's pretty good edge, don't you think? Yeah, but I know you've got more somewhere. (laughs) But anyway, I'm glad that you brought what you brought, because it's a blend. But it's based on a grape that I wanted to talk about today. So we can talk about this wine and this blend, and most importantly, the dominant grape that's in this wine, which I have cheated and already had a sip of. And I know you have, too, You're allowed. I've cheated, too. And And I'm really excited about this wine. Okay. I can see that in your eyes. <laughs> okay. Tell us about the wine and what it is that you're so enamored with about this wine. Well, this is something that I'm seeing more and more winemakers do. And I have to back up and give it some context. It's a Bordeaux blend. And there's something different. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Really common Bordeaux blends. But when we think of Bordeaux blends, we generally think of Cabernet Sauvignon as the main grape. And that's the main grape on the left bank of the river in Bordeaux. But there's a whole class of wines on the right bank of that river that aren't based on Cabernet Sauvignon. And the main grape there is Merlot. And that brings up all sorts of associations here because Merlot has gotten such a bad rap. We could talk for literally hours about Merlot, honestly, because I make no bones about the fact that I would drink Merlot over Pinot Noir all day long, any day. That's just how I feel. And I know you love Pinot. I do love Pinot. But Merlot is one of those grapes that has been unfairly maligned. I mean, not to say that we didn't make a lot of substandard Merlot, but we made a lot of substandard wines in general. And the percentage of wines that are quality wines these days gets bigger and bigger all the time, right? It's just going up. You know, I remember years and years ago when Merlot first crept onto the scene, and I remember a colleague saying... I'm pretty excited about this Merlot grape that I've been seeing and tasting. And it wasn't two or three years later before it had been discovered, like we discovered darlings in the wine world. It had been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Exactly. But But we discovered discovered, it on the West Coast. And suddenly everybody was planting it everywhere. It shouldn't be planted. And there was a lot of mediocre Merlot on the market for a while. So there's there's more than 50% of this wine is Merlot. And so it has that... Look for this black cherry mocha sort of mix in Merlot with elegant rounded tannins. And you like that flavor? I love that. So if I brought you for the holidays a box of chocolate-covered cherries, that would go over well with you. That would go over. That would go over. Um, And, And you'd pair a bottle of Merlot with it then? 
Mm, no, okay. I have a hard time with dry wine and sweet food. That's, okay. a, that's a whole nother conversation. Right, Let's that, do that sometime. All right. Yeah, that's a yeah. good conversation, yeah. too. All right. So ta- this is a blend. So talk about uh, where it's from. We can give them a little plug because this wine is really delicious. It's delicious. Yeah, really delicious. And you just poured it straight out of the bottle. No air whatsoever on it. And I'm going to swizzle my glass while you're talking about it. Do that because actually the winemaker who sent this to me made me promise, a, a promise I just broke, he made me promise that I would open this early and let it breathe, give it some air, and so swirling would be a good thing. But it's from Napa. It's from a, a winery named Blackbird. And this singing in the dead of night is singing in the dead of night. Okay. And this blend is called Arise, and it's, it does have blackbirds all over the label. And this is made. Oh, look, you can just barely see a silhouette of Alfred Hitchcock in the background. <laughs> okay, Not mind. that ominous. The winemaker here is Aaron Pott, and he is a real talent in Napa Valley. He has his own label called Aaron Pott, but he makes the blackbird wines as well. And you can actually get a hold of them as opposed to his own wines, which are all highly allocated. But this is a blend of three grapes. Merlot is the first one. Then he does put 30% Cabernet Sauvignon in it, so it does have that firmness. And then 15% of Cabernet Franc, which is the other main grape on the right bank of the river in Bordeaux. And it also has its detractors because if Cabernet Franc doesn't get completely ripe, it can seem like green peppers, you know, that that vegetal jalapeno thing. But when it gets fully ripe, it's got these floral aromatics and, and beautiful crushed herb qualities. So what you end up is a really elegant wine with gorgeous aromatics. Do you think that Cab Franc is poised to make at least at least a minimally significant power play into the lives and hearts of wine lovers? Or is it just going to continue to stay where it's been? I think it's going to be a hard sell for the mainstream. Why don't we but just I, take the reins and just tell people they're required to, to drink Cab Franc? A, at least a bottle every two days. I don't know about me, but they do listen to you. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I do think it's going to be a bigger player. There's some labels out there that have been doing beautiful Cab Franc. I'm thinking of Truchard, also from Napa. Yes. Very affordable wines. Yes. And they make a gorgeous Cab Franc. Yes. Love their wines. You know, very mm-hmm. nicely priced. A really good value. Okay, but we got just a minute or so left to talk about Merlot. And we're going to talk a little bit more about these other Bordeaux varietals. But let's talk about Merlot specifically, because as most people know, if you're a wine lover, Merlot got kicked upside the head by a fictitious character named Miles in the movie Sideways, which to this day, I think is one of the two or three most successful cult movies out there. Call it cult because it really wasn't meant to be a mainstream movie. Right. And that was 11 years ago and we're still talking about it. But you scarcely will find anybody who loves wine who hasn't seen the movie. But in the movie, Miles, the character, denounces Merlot and sings the praises of Pinot. And a lot of marketing classes throughout this country, at least, refer to something in their exercises called the sideways effect. Mm -hmm. And do you want to just give a kind of rundown on what that is and how that has played into Pinot and Merlot's success or failure? Well, the movie waxed so eloquent about Pinot Noir that the the sales of Pinot just went through the roof. And in fact, there's an organization that keeps track of the terms every year that come out of Hollywood that affects society the most. And the term that year that they felt affected society more than any other word or words in movies that year 
was the phrase Pinot Noir. And so Pinot Noir sales went through the roof and Merlot sales, because Miles was so down on Merlot, they flattened and, and really fell off for a while. Yeah, and consider this, though, okay? This will put it into perspective for most people. Let's say that you drive a one-ton Ford pickup truck, okay? One ton of grapes. Grapes are generally measured in terms of tonnage before it actually gets squeezed into juice. And one ton is what it would actually take in grapes to fill up the back of that pickup truck, roughly. There are these big containers that they put them into. But frankly, if you just filled the pickup truck, that would be about a ton, unless it's a little bigger truck. In the days when Merlot was exceedingly popular and nobody was paying much attention to Pinot, the cost of those grapes was about $5,000 a ton. Between four dollars and $5,000 is what it would cost to buy a pickup truck load full of Merlot grapes. It went all the way down to $1,500. Wow. From four dollars to $5,000 to $1,500. I'm not sure where it's at right now. It's still fluctuating, but it isn't anywhere near what right. it used to be and probably won't. But what's most exciting, I think, if you're a Merlot lover, consider the fact that by Merlot getting a black eye from sideways, the people who weren't making great Merlot gave up. You know, they planted something else, probably Pinot. That's true. Yeah, exactly. True. In the same vineyard where Merlot was probably thriving for them and Pinot's not going to do quite as well in that environment. But anyway, that's what they did. But I think the the end result of all of this was we ended up with a lot of good Merlot and some very hit and miss Pinot. I think you're right. And if you go out and find that Merlot, you're in great company because some of those wines from that right bank model in, in Bordeaux are some of the most expensive wines in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Petrus, Cheval Blanc. Yes, exactly. Do you want to explain the last scene in <laughs> Sideways, please, before we go? It's such an insider joke, and I love it. Yeah, but um, most I, I would say, what, 99% of the people who saw the movie don't understand that there was a huge joke at the end. Right. So Miles, who's down and out at the end of the movie, takes his bottle of Cheval Blanc and buys a hamburger. And his the last scene is is him opening this very, very, very expensive bottle of Right Bank Bordeaux. And what he doesn't know as the character in the movie, and most people don't, is that he's drinking mostly Merlot when, yeah, exactly. when he drinks that bottle with his hamburger. Yeah, that's the funniest thing in the entire movie. <laughs> it is, actually. And, yeah. and people who are into wine yeah. know exactly what's going on, but it works either way. The idea of him sitting there with what appears to be a very expensive bottle of wine and a hamburger and drinking the wine out of styrofoam, I might add. That's right. That's yeah, right. drinking it out of styrofoam is very funny. But you know what? No need to hide from Merlot any longer. If you love it, buy Buy it, drink it, declare its quality and superiority over a lot of other grapes loud and clear. I agree completely. That's right. Let's you know, let's stop all this Pinot nonsense. <laughs> I say Pinot no more. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to have another, another sip of this. All right. Ice. All right. We're going to take another sip. We'll talk more about some of the other Bordeaux varietals and why we should be paying closer attention to them with Sarah Schneider, the wine editor of Sunset Magazine. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. Do, 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 do. Wine. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you.
Grave Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. Like a bottle of red wine Or maybe two He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and Sunset Magazine's Sarah Schneider. This is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio. The possibilities Together we can grow Like a deep merlot all right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I'm very glad to be able to continue our conversation with our dear friend and endless contributor to Grape Encounters Radio, Sarah Schneider, the wine editor of Sunset Magazine. We were talking about this wine we had from Blackbird Vineyards, which was a Merlot blend. And if you could just recap what it was we were tasting and kind of the point of you wanting to share that on the air, and then we'll kind of take this to the next step. Sure. Most of us think of Bordeaux blends as Cabernet Sauvignon-based, but but this one is one of a growing trend of doing Bordeaux blends that are modeled on the right bank in Bordeaux, where the main grapes are Merlot, followed by Cabernet Franc. And this wine had both of those grapes in it, plus some Cabernet Sauvignon, too. So let's talk about some of the other varietals besides Cabernet and besides Merlot that are actually starting to get a little attention. Did you ever see that movie, uh, 20 Feet from Stardom? No. The documentary? I did not. Okay, so it's a documentary about men and women, mostly women, who were backup singers to some of the biggest names in music history. And today, most of them are living below the poverty level and uh- have never been recognized for the amazing work that they did, which contributed greatly to the success of you know, the albums that they were singing on. Right. And so the movie was 20 feet from from stardom, but you might as well be 10,000 feet away because that's how much it's going to do you. This is a good analogy coming. But thank goodness that wine drinkers today are really into the backup singers because there's a lot of 
exploration, I think, going on with other varietals. And, and you and I have talked a lot about Petit Verdot. Right, right. Which is a Bordeaux. It is. Okay. If it rhymes with Bordeaux, then it is one. Right? <laughs> it works at least for that one. Yeah, it, yeah, it works yeah, for yeah. that one. Find me one that doesn't work. But anyway, Petit Verdot is this really big, immense grape, but almost always a blending grape. Usually, usually it is. It's got this inky dark color, but often some pretty floral notes, violets over the top. So it, it can add that color and structure, but a little bit of elegance too, to a blend. As you say, usually a blend. I had a bottle of wine that was brought to me by the folks at Artiste down in the Santa Ynez Valley. Mm -hmm. And the dominant grape in that one was Petit Verdot, 60% Petit Verdot. Mm, interesting. And I, got, I must tell you, I drank that bottle of wine with my wife at home and just was so excited about that wine. It was so delicious. And it was a really excellent example of how good Petit Verdot can be. Yeah, you'll hear wine, uh, some winemakers and people who blend say, you know, keep the Petit Verdot percentage down to, you know, two, three, four, five percent. Right. After five percent, you're screwing up your wine. Because no it's way. So distinctive. No, but that's not true. Yeah. It isn't true. So, what are some of the other? Well, we're missing a biggie. We're missing, a, yeah, a we're huge. Missing the big one. Malbec. The M word. <laughs> Well, it kind of shrunk a little in Bordeaux, where it's from, and it appeared in South America as the main grape in a whole country in Argentina. Well, I think what's interesting, you got to put grapes in perspective. So let's look at Malbec for a second. Here's a grape that, for all intents and purposes, was born in France. Yes. Or at least got there hundreds and hundreds of years ago. One of the five main grapes in Bordeaux. Grapes, while they're smart, there are certain things that grape vines don't think about. Like a grape never thinks about how juicy or plump its fruit is. It just wants to grow and grow and grow. And it's got those little uh, curly cues at the end of the vine that go and reach <laughs> out. And they want to go and grow as far as they possibly can. From the standpoint of growth, Malbec and France, was a superstar. That is true. It loved yeah. to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's like Jack probably, and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Probably one of the reasons why it was a staple grape. When other grapes failed or were weak in a year, they could count on the Malbec. The problem was that from the perspective of the winemaker, they were having a tough time getting ripe fruit. And anytime you've got a lot going on with that grapevine, where you've got a really thick canopy or you've got an overabundance of grapes growing on the vine, you'd think that would be a good thing, but oftentimes it's not. Right. The more grapes on the vine, the harder they all have a time to ripen. They all become mediocre instead. Well, Malbec is a great example of a plant that was putting more of its energy into its leaves than its fruit, but you get it into the oppressive climates of Argentina or perhaps Chile and and then all of a sudden it goes, wow, I like this. So Malbec's never come back from vacation. It's South American <laughs> vacation. That's true. And they generally bottle it on its own. And we drink it as Malbec. But anyway, Malbec certainly is doing a bang-up business right now. They have really got Malbec dialed in. The one thing I really want to say, though, is if you're going to buy Malbecs from Argentina, please consider this, the sweet spot. I'm going to put the sweet spot at 25 bucks. Yeah, exactly. It's hard uh, to find one for 30. Right. Many of them don't go over, but there's a huge difference in that price range, 20 to 25, than there is in the 8 to $12 bottle. Right. The main things to keep in mind are simply this. 
The labor is way cheaper there. The land is way cheaper there. The technology is exactly the same. And the expertise is exactly the same as the best of the best wine regions in the world. So the net result is, is that for less than half the price of what you would pay for another wine in the Bordeaux family, you can get a crazy good Malbec. Right. Dark sold with layers of tobacco and spice and dark mulberry. And then a splash a little Merlot in it, if you like. There you go. Have you seen Merlot Malbec blends, just Merlot and Malbec? I that would seem to be that, a natural, doesn't it? That seems like it? somebody should try it. I don't think I've seen it. Or even Cab Franc and Malbec. That could be interesting. You know what I should yeah. do is we should just blend one up here. We could do that. We could do that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now we have a challenge for a couple of days down the road. But anyway, why don't you give a rundown of the other Bordeaux that people should be paying attention to and a quick why? So basically there are five with sometimes a sixth one going along for the ride. But the five are Cabernet Sauvignon, which doesn't need much introduction. Cabernet Sauvignon has become the king of reds. I think the two that we really Really need to look at that aren't being looked at is Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I implore you to go and try some of these other Bordeaux varietals, especially if you can find them in single varietal versions. And I would imagine that even on the Sunset Magazine results sheet that you publish from your competition, you'd be able to find some good examples of those single varietal wines. Absolutely. And you'll be able to get all those wines probably too. Yes. A good, a good percentage. Most of them. are available. All right. Well, great. I think that we've put enough pressure on people to break okay. out of their mold. Good. Okay. Good. So that's going to do it. Why don't you just do the whole show with me? All you have to do is ask. Okay. You got it. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.